on Dungeon Ball Z. And the Clara, warning was not heeded. <laughs> Clara, from where you and Gunner, or not Gunner, from where you and Garlow have your heads poked out of the hatch, and Gunner with these goths closing in on him, you see Gunner's between like them. Gunner's like still barely hanging onto the you, railing. Yeah, you, you're like looking through the railing and past the goths. You see first you see FP drop and there's a heart stopping moment of pause and then Jeb turns into a Tyrannosaurus Rex and it looks for a second like he's about to board the Cugboat um, and the laugh at Jeb's incredible contingencies dies in your throat as instead the T-Rex topples backwards losing its balance and then for just the briefest moment you see Owlin suspended alone uh, the leader of Four Guys Ventures and Vibes facing off against this death kiss before with a loud snap the teeth of the Tyrannosaurus close and both are yanked down and out of view and on that note tonight's Dungeons and Dragons session comes to a close holy cow bruiser fox roll initiative <clears throat> you got it boss we are at initiative order 20 at this point in time which means that it is the Cugboat's turn. I've given Bruiser the reins of the Cugboat for those of you who were with us last session. Just before this, we saw a death kiss and a number of its uh, allies fly out of the mist and attack the Cugboat. And in the ensuing fight, the death kiss was able to lash FP62, Jebediah Peppermint, and um, and Alan Wadrier with its tentacles, pull them out so that they were floating suspended in the grapple over the, the abyss below the Cugboat flying six miles over the sea level with four miles of mist beneath it. And in the ensuing fight, FP trying to escape shot the, the death kiss and drew blood. And the death kiss was so surprised that it released FP and he began toppling at terminal velocity, which we looked up and it's 500 feet per round. As FP toppled into the distance, Jeb froze up and the death kiss tried to drain HP from Jeb to recover itself. In doing so, it activated a spell Jeb had cast called Contingency, where when he hits a certain level of hit points, another spell fires off. This is true. That spell was polymorph into a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And so Jeb went from a tiny little mole dude to a T-Rex full-sized. But Jeb was suspended over the abyss. And at that weight... <sighs> He was the death kiss couldn't keep him restrained. So it let go. The T-Rex scrabbled with its T-Rex feet at the cug boat, but he rolled a nat one on the save. And as he fell, he rolled a nat 20 on his attempt to attack the death kiss, clamped his jaws over four of its tentacles and dragged it down with him. Owlin still restrained by the death kiss, which I believe passed a save on its way down is being dragged down to the depths along with them. Fox asleep on his sick bed, recovering from a cough that he picked up at the high altitude knows nothing about it. Bruiser in the cockpit trying to help the ship maneuver in the fight so that he doesn't hit his companions but also stays close enough to be useful. Wasn't able to see this happen. Didn't hear about it until Clara yelled to him. And so we find ourselves at the top of initiative order where the ship's crew are able to take action. This is effectively the same round. So what that means is FP fell at the end of the last round. He is 500 feet down. Anybody who enters free fall falls 500 feet. Characters who can fly may fall 500 feet and take a move action, but choosing to fall would be their action. 
the Cugboat can free fall at Bruiser's discretion. Bruiser may pilot the Cugboat to free fall. And we have already talked about the mechanics of how to rotate the thrusters 180 degrees and try and get beneath the players. So um, Bruiser has the option as well of doing that and trying to get ahead of you with the boat and catch you. But what happens in this immediate aftermath as Bruiser realizes what has happened and takes action? Bruiser, what does the Cugboat do? Uh, Bruiser wants to maneuver the Cugboat to uh, start free fall. So he would give... Uh, and then did, did people already prepare for this or are there people still on the deck? Uh, there are people on the deck, but they can prepare as a reaction. Everybody, <laughs> we worked this out already. Everybody was within 15 feet of a door so they can get inside. It won't be okay. comfy, but they won't fall off. Then Bruiser will cut the thrusters and begin falling with them and rotating them. Excellent. As Gunner dives from the railing where he had pulled himself back onto the <laughs> cug boat into the cockpit door um, as Garlel and Clara slam the hatch that leads up to the main deck closed over top of them and just barely wrench it into position with a the thrusters go dark on the cug boat. And as it slowly lists to one side, it plummets Fox. You are awoken by the sensation of your face impacting the ceiling of your cabin. As you are thrown from your <laughs> sick bed, smack into the cabin. As you smack into the cabin, you hear the sounds in nearby cabins of other crew members doing the same thing. And you hear running footsteps as uh, one of the engineering team goes running down the halls going, we've got an emergency. We're in free fall. We're going to try and recover at four miles over the ocean so that we don't fall into the mist where we can't navigate. Everybody get out of here. All hands on deck. All hands on deck. And then he like runs off into the distance. Fox, you hear that. Um, what are your initiative roles, Bruiser and Fox? Bruiser I, got a 14. Okay. I got a 19. Bruiser got a 14. Fox got a 19. The others of you, uh, Jeb, Allen, etc., you retained your initiative from last time, which I have written down, so I'll tell you when you're on deck. Um, and then okay. we'll pick it back up from that point. Fox got a 19. Uh, Fox, I'm sorry, Gunner, you're next with Fox on deck. Um, so Gunner, it is your turn. Hang on. Jeb has a hand up before we get into the full initiative here. What's up? You have FP's initiative, right? I do. FP's initiative was a six. Okay. Yep. Cool. Okay. So Gunner is up with Fox on deck. Uh, Gunner, it is your turn. Uh, with the door that Gunner would have been able to use a reaction to get into, where is he on the ship now? He is in the cockpit with Bruiser, probably holding on to a dial or a pipe or something as his feet, you know, shoot up in the air towards the lens that is the the bulbous cockpit shield. All right, Bruiser, is there anything I can do? Bruiser left his seat. (laughs) Sorry, I had to get my charging cable for my headphones because they're about to die. Um, uh, uh, can you rotate the engines faster? Uh, I'll, I mean, I'll try. And no, uh, no. <laughs> no. I mean, Gunner, it's an automated thing. You pull a switch yeah. and you wait for them to turn. Gunner's gonna like look at the controls and be like, "I'll try," and then look at the controls <laughs> and be like, "I'm kidding. I can't try. I don't even know how to do that." Uh, uh I, 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 nothing. I, I don't need you. Find someone else who needs help. <laughs> Gunner's gonna like attempt to navigate to how, well can Gunner go anywhere yeah the only way out of the cockpit that is not the main deck is there's a small trap door in the floor with crew access that could take you down to the crew quarters on the, the lower deck or it could take you to the cargo hold on the lowest deck and that cargo hold then leads into engineering where Randy is 
Um, Gunner isn't super knowledgeable about engineering, but he's just going to figure that that might be the best. Pl- like he, he can at least be a guy there to sure. do something. So he's going to try to head to engineering. Sure. Gunner heads down to engineering. And while he doesn't he's make like it the whole way there, space, as he's climbing he's like down space the iron, station, climbing, yeah, as yeah. he's climbing down the iron <laughs> rung ladder, well, really pulling his way down the iron <laughs> rung ladder as the free fall tries to yank him upwards. You can just hear alarm bells ringing and like, you know, steam dials whistling and popping and glass shattering. And you can hear Randy going, that one's fine. This one should get uh, tape. That one that, that, that should be okay. I think I'm pretty sure that one's fine. This get my wrench. And then you hear a clang as he like tries to fix something. Uh, that brings us to Fox's turn. Trevor. Yes. You have a hand up. Uh, so the cug boat was like level like that. Did it fall like flat down or did it like nosedive? Uh, down? it is falling flat ish unless okay. you want it to nosedive. You can tell me flavor wise what you want. Uh, flat ish. Okay. Good. Yep. It's it's So it's, you know, wobbling a little bit side to side, yeah. but basically you just cut power. And so it went zoom and like fell okay. downwards. Uh, that brings us to Fox's turn. Fox, you're, you're like literally laying on the ceiling of your cabin with the free fall. <laughs> so you're like Spider-Man, like hanging from the, the cabin I, ceiling. In a panic, I, I'm going to uh, grab my equipment and um, leave the cabin and, 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 and go for the for the pilot seat, go for the cat, you know, the cockpit. Okay. Figure out what's going on to get to the cockpit from where you are. You'll need to go up the main staircase through the cafeteria and then into the crew quarters to climb up the iron railing. So that'll be a couple rounds before you get there, but you're definitely headed there. We'll say you dash. So that'll just be next round. You'll make it. Um, so Fox just rushing through the ship, you know, heeding the call of the engineering team who are letting everyone know that things are not great here. Uh, that brings us to Alan's (laughs) turn with Jeb on deck. Alan, there is a, uh, a pink tentacle wrapped around your neck that is restraining you and you are being dragged down into the abyss by a death kiss that is in the claws of a Tyrannosaurus Rex that is plummeting after a synth man. Uh, what would you like to do with your turn? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to paint the word picture because it's so yeah, ridiculous. For sure. Um Alan is going to attempt to escape the grapple. Um so that's a contested athletics, right? Yes, it is. Okay. That's a 20 what is 9 minus 2? 27. That is a successful escape. You are now in free fall all on your own. Great. Uh, <laughs> what would you like the to do? The situation has not if anything. Changed. I guess you can't really um, do anything as far as move actions, can you? Uh, does that take a, well, uh, yeah, um, there's no one else restrained because Jeb is now a dinosaur and FP is falling. Okay. Right. You could try and grab um, onto Jeb or, um, yes. FP, like, cause you're moving, you know, even with them. Alan is going to try to use the rest of his move action to like, you know, skydive position himself for the audio listeners. I'm like trying to imitate the like skydivers using their arms and legs to like kind of swim in the air sort of. Let's and, get an uh, athletics check from Alan. Um, okay. At, With proficiency. I was just about to say, <laughs> I was just about to say a disadvantage and then I was like, who am I kidding? This is what Alan's this done this does. many times. <laughs> yeah, this happens this is, <laughs> consistently for him. Falling really is this party's thing. I wouldn't yeah. know, but this also seems like a better time to have briefs than boxers. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, it's really helping. Oh, that's, uh, that's an 11. That's not great. 
Uh, okay. So an 11, you don't like fall any further or anything. You're already at terminal velocity, but you are not able to navigate to your companions. You also don't lose them into the mist. Also, I should have specified for you all. And I forgot to, you have 10 rounds before you hit the mists. So okay. we've established for those of you listening or those of you who weren't with us last week that, um, the four miles above the ocean floor are covered in like a, a navigationally disorienting mist. So people it's called the lost mist. So you fall into it. It's hard to navigate. You can't find your way back out again. The cug boat was six miles off the ground. So there are two miles of free fall here where if they can get their crap together, they don't become lost. If they get any lower than that, things start to get really interesting. So, uh, that was that the conclusion of Alan's turn? Uh, yeah, I don't think you can do anything else with like a bonus action. That's very useful. So, okay. That yeah. ends Alan's turn and brings us to Jeb with bruiser on deck. <clears throat> um, as I understand it, the death kiss is within the clutches of it sure T-Rex is. Jeb's mouth. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if I remember correctly too, it was bleeding last time. Yes. So I think... T-Rex Jeb is going to crunch since the thing is restrained. He's just going to snatch down on it, which means that the attack is at advantage because it's restrained. So it's restrained by his bite. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> that is just a crunch even harder. 18 to hit and 18 hits, which means it's going to take 4d12 plus 7 piercing damage. Nice. Which is 40 piercing damage. Holy 40 cow. piercing damage. Nice. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that's. It's not medium or smaller, so I can't swallow it. If it wants to try to escape, it's a DC 17. And that's piercing damage, right? Um, that's, that is piercing damage. Okay. <clears throat> uh, you take. Those aren't the words I want to hear. Yeah, I know. Right. You take five points of lightning damage, uh, oh, as when you draw blood with your piercing attack, some of it kind of conducts electricity right into you. And so you feel a little zap. Uh, that was five the, points you said. Yeah. Five points of lightning damage. Gotcha. Um, and that does that conclude Jeb's turn? I guess as long as he's grappling, he's not going to move, right? It has a tail attack, but I can't do that to the same target that I'm biting, is what it says here. Or in freefall. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, there's that yeah. too, but um, okay. I think. Uh, I think. Yeah, I, I don't have the intelligence to know to try to even bother with Owlin. He's just like great chompy bad thing, bad thing chomp, chompy chomp, 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 <laughs> chomp, 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 chomp. So, um, Bruiser, it is your turn. Um, in because of the initiative order, free fall, Owlin and Jeb and the Death Kiss have already fallen their five hundred feet this round, but FP has not. So, um, the the Cugboat is even with FP, but has not pulled ahead of him. You're just like right, you know, side by side with him because you felt he fell 500 feet and then you fell 500 feet. So now you have mm. pulled even with him. This is one of the challenges of turn like turn based combat covering lots of distances, yeah. listeners. But we're doing the best we can here. Uh, it how, is Bruiser's turn with FP on deck. How far off of the Cugboat is FP? Uh, FP is 20 feet to the side of the Cugboat. Would Bruiser be able to 
fly out, get him, and bring him and make it back to the cockpit. Interesting. Bruiser could try. Um, his inertia would carry over from the boat he's on. So I think as long as he was flying when he left, I wouldn't make him take. You have a magic earring and you can communicate with me if you, <coughs> and I also can fly. So if you need to stay <laughs> in the true. stock in the, in the cockpit, communicate that to Clara. That's true. Um, so my turn is before, FPS. but yes, I think bruiser that that's a possibility. The boat will not go anywhere else without you, but yeah. it will not, um, you know what I mean? Like it won't leave, yeah. but it also won't steer or do anything else. So you would have to fly okay. out and get back this turn. I think Bruiser would just use the earring to communicate with Clara. Sure. Just do um, that. Yeah. We, um, I, I, FP should be in line with us. If you could get him, uh, bef- like while he's right there, that would be great. So we can focus on getting everyone else in. And that's one less thing we have to I'm worry about. I'm on it. Can you catch up with the others? Uh, y- yes. <laughs> All right. I've got FP. Um, the, we forgot to roll initiative for Clara cause before she was the boat in initiative order. So Ooh. if everyone's comfortable with it, I'll just put Clara right after bruiser in the initiative I'm order cool since he just communicated to her and we'll yeah. just go with that. Um, so, so Clara will just put you next. And that means that when bruiser says his turns over, you are up and then FP's on deck. Yeah. Bruiser is like, he, he working frantically, but like in this kind of moment of like, well, we're just falling. He's just thinking to himself about what, what, whatever to <laughs> myself, what a wonderful fall. What's Bruiser thinking about? Uh, uh, just how much these people have, have helped him out and meant to him over this, this past adventure, you know, starting to, to reflect on, on the past, given the circumstance like kind of their lives flashing before his eyes sort of a thing yeah <laughs> interesting he wants to, he, he wants to save everyone yeah um that'll bring us to clara's turn clara who is right at the hatch you as well can make it up the hatch and fly out and fly back and get down in the hatch it will be an athletics check and it would be for bruiser as well for you to grab a falling person and drag them back with you with like all the turbulence of the ship falling next to you and stuff. It'll be an athletics check. Okay. My initial goal is just to, to catch him and grab onto him and get a grip on him. Um, not necessarily immediately pull him back. I just want to get to the point where we are able to fly together. Sure. Um, I don't know if that changes the rules, but okay. So Clara's like, close the hatch behind me, Garlal. And she's going to jump out and um, immediately leap into the air. Clara has like little hummingbird wings and they're just like, <laughs> and she is, she is headed for FP as quick as she can. She can um, make it this round. Um, so she makes it over to FP and unless wash FP is going to resist, she's able to grab hold of him. Uh, he is not going to resist. <laughs> okay. Unlike our first time where, where uh, we met in a, um, in an air duct. Um, Hello, Clara. What? I, I am, I am ever so, uh, this was like dying. wind rushing by our ears. I am ever so happy to see you in this place. <laughs> I wish it were on more boring terms. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Um, I, I rolled an eight, but I forgot that I, I wanted to use a luck point. Is it okay if I do it anyway? So you're supposed to choose that before. 
Yeah, that's so fine. I'm going to use a luck class. point to re-roll my um, and take the better roll. Okay. Okay, that's an 11. What are we rolling for? This is athletics to try and hold on to FP and just get to the point where like the two of us are not plummeting. Like we're going to start. You're going to try and slow his descent. Yeah, we're going to try to slow the descent. Unfortunately, an 11 is not going to be enough to hold him up against the the gravity that's pulling him down, but you don't lose your grip. So you are with FP, but you do take the 500 feet of plummet when FP falls. That'll be his turn when that happens. FP, hang on. We've got this. Come on, FP. That brings us to FP's turn. I was going to try a thing, but now I'm worried that that thing will hurt you. So if you've got doing... a plan, I can fly. Let go of me. If you need, if you've got a plan, what are you doing? I am worried about that monster up there. Still? And he's like pointing at the, you are falling. Yes. <laughs> it is very scary. And I don't want it to hurt any of my family. If we Aww. can stop falling, Priorities. I will help you fight the monster. Family. Okay. Uh, wish me luck. And he goes to eat another sacrium coin. Oh, great <laughs> Kelnor. Okay. Yeah, he does. Uh, I believe that's a percentile die from you. Yep. That uh, is Josh. an 80. Yes, Trevor. I rolled a four on the thruster D six. Okay, so it'll be four rounds before it has fully rotated and then you can outrun them. Yes. Um, the Okay, uh, you rolled an 80, right, Wash? Mm-hmm. Illusory butterflies and flower petals flutter in the air within 10 feet of you for the next minute. Clara, with her hummingbird Amazing. wings, flies out, grabs hold of you, and then Clara, as you're holding on, trying desperately to slow him, as you flap your wings, a bunch of little butterflies start flapping their wings as well, and then they kind of disappear, spiraling up into the mist until the lashing T-Rex tail, like, kind of cuts through them all. Um, and well, then- that was that was magical. Is that what you meant to happen? This is one of the better things that could. That brings and, us to... Uh, oh, go ahead. Well... No, well, that that's not the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so he ate that coin so that he could use another one of his uh, oh, ciphers, okay. his integrated ciphers. No, he just ate it for um, fun. <laughs> yeah, just for funsies. You know, I've got to get all the effects out of the way first. Uh, no, he's going to cast Misty Step Ooh. with okay. this, um, which will teleport him up to thirty feet. Is he still within twenty feet of the ship? He is. Um, then he says, I am sorry. This is kind of, bo-, and then he just like <laughs> disappears in this big poofy cloud of like butterflies and, and stuff. Uh, and so I guess <gasps> he just sees that he just like poofed out. Um, but gods. he is now on the, uh, on the deck of the ship. Great. FP on the deck of the ship. Um, you see Clara is flying. So she's like holding her position. She has a hover speed. So she's, um, <coughs> she's out there holding her position. FP, you misty step onto the deck of the cug boat. What is your move speed? Um, his move speed is pretty good. He's a rogue. Let's see. He has a move speed of 40. Okay. So your move speed is halved because it's difficult climbing terrain. Okay. Because you have to basically climb across the railing on the main deck. Otherwise, it's right. smooth. 
you have two options. Yeah, I figured he was he was holding the railing is kind of what he was going for. Yeah, so you have two options now. You can either hang on to the railing with your feet shooting up in the air and try and climb to one of the entrances. Um, the because you kind of teleported straight into the boat, basically, you're 40 right. feet from either entrance because 20 feet in, 10 feet over. So 40 feet from gotcha. either way to safety. Or you can go 20 feet to one of the harness points on the main deck. You have those big iron anchor points and try to mm-hmm. lash yourself in with a harness, which all of them have a harness clipped into them. We established that way back when you built the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, but to do that will be a slate of hand check. So you're letting go of the railing to try and harness yourself in. So it's slate of hand versus falling back off the boat. Oh, well, I think he's going to take that big biscuit risk because he's feeling lucky. He's risking Ayo. it for the biscuit. He's also a rogue. He um, can make a slate of hand check. Well, also, he has a grappler. Mm, very cool. So, um, like, could I could I get a little bit a little bit of a bonus from having a, like a little grappling hook that he could like swing over there and is FP normally like, proficient with sleight of hand? Actually, he is proficient in sleight of hand. Okay, then just roll it with advantage. I was going to give you proficiency okay. bonus if you didn't, but that's fine. Gotcha. Maybe what he'll do is hook the grappling hook to the uh, where he's at now. Oh yeah, that uh, would as, give him an advantage on the on the check yeah, for sure. So like as he's climbing or like like going over there, he's kind of like using the tent. That uh, that is a seventeen plus eight. Woo. So that's like a twenty. Oh yeah, five. FP is harnessed in. So now FP like right now he's holding himself to the railing, but if he wanted to let go and fight, he would just do so at the end of you know thirty feet of harness rope. But he's anchored on. Yep. Um. So that is that piece taken care of. And I think, or unless you're going to bonus action, that's your turn, right? Uh, that was his bonus action to Misty Step. Great. So that's FP. Which means turn. does he have an action? Uh, no, he just anchored himself. Okay. Yep. That's good. No, he uh, is he is locked, locked and loaded, and ready to not be bored anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the Death Kiss's turn. The Death Kiss only has one person nearby to fight, and it's Alan. Although Alan escaped from its, uh, gra- I mean, it has the T Rex that's clamped onto it. <laughs> Um, Alan escaped from its grasp. The T-Rex is holding on to its tentacles, not quite the way it wanted to grapple that enemy. Um, the death kiss is going to first, uh, attempt to grapple Alan again. So Alan, it's going to roll an attack against your AC. Is being grappled by Jeb any sort of modifier to that? I'm Do giving I have a disadvantage. Extra chance. <laughs> I'm giving a disadvantage. Nice. Um, okay. So it misses the first attack. Um, it has a multi attack of three, so it's going to make another oh, attack against you. Again with disadvantage, it misses, and then it's going to make a final attack on you. It's the final which it attack. which it misses. So nice. three tentacle attacks, but it's hard to hit a moving target while grappled by a Tyrannosaurus Rex while falling next to a boat. Just to, especially again, when the, the moving target is trying to like skydive onto the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, Whole a well documented and common occurrence. That is just, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, one of the classic blunt classic. Yeah, um, it is going to look its little eyes look towards the boat um, and it sees FP who's just like harnessed himself in and it just looks towards him and it does this. like, And it begins trying to intimidate you in un, in um not under common in abyssal um, and it it says to FP 
um, you are the first of your line and you will be the last. And it's going to oh. roll to intimidate FP. That's pretty rude. Uh, it is. FP, you can roll to resist um, with... I don't remember what the skill to, re- to resist that is. Maybe just is charisma? Insight? It might be insight, just like it is with um, deception. That makes sense. You gotta, you gotta see the bluff. Yeah. DC to beat is a 14 with your insight. You're muted. That's a solid 10. A solid 10. FP, you are conditioned frightened for the next round um, of the, of the death kiss. And that will end the death kisses turn, which brings us to the top of initiative. So the boat crew are going to take a turn and then gunner is on deck. So um, bruiser has the, the control of what the boat crew are going to do this, this round. Um, I think just not not too much to do at the moment. Just keep falling and uh, getting the thrusters turned around. Okay, so the the crew are going to basically just hold their action. Yeah, sure. Uh, that brings us to Gunner's turn with Fox on deck. Gunner, you are down in the engineering room, uh, or you will be this turn with your move. Randy is in there with the other two engineering folks, and they're just like constantly like steam begins escaping from a valve. They wrap it in like flex seal, flex seal, you know, like they're just constantly <laughs> trying to solve problems in the engineering room. As soon as you run in, Randy's like, good, grab a screwdriver. Uh, and All right. you know, uh, is Gunner just going to stay down there and help? Gunner's going to stay down there and help whatever statistical advantage that can give the crew. I don't know, but like, sure. help, you know, assist in anything that can happen. So with your permission, I'll just pull him out of the initiative order unless you yeah. decide he wants to re-enter it. Okay. No, he's fine. He'll, he'll just assist. Great. That brings us I to mean, Fox's turn with Alan on when deck. It co- turning a screwdriver uh, and stirring soup are not that different. You're right. They're pretty speaking. similar. Yeah. Proficiency. Yeah. <laughs> so... I guess uh, it's going to take the rest of my turn to, well, like action point wise to get to the cockpit. Just a normal move. Um, so you have okay. an action and a bonus action available. Um, I'm going to get to the cockpit and be like, St- status, I need a status. What is it? Why are we falling? Because <laughs> companions are falling. We got to catch up to them. What? Okay. Can I do anything to help? <laughs> Uh, uh, go see if anyone else on the ship needs help. Gotcha. Fox is going to go onto the deck. Okay. Uh, Fox to go onto the deck to be clear. Like as soon as you open the door and go onto the deck, you are in danger of falling. Is there anything to grab onto from the door? The door is in the center of the cockpit. So I'm going to need an acrobatics check because you're going sideways acrobatics check to get to the railing and hold on to it. And if you miss, you're going up in the air. I peek my head out the door and I stop and I hold my action for, <laughs> for now. <laughs> okay. Um, great. Fox is going to hold his action. That brings us to Alan's turn with Jeb on deck. Alan, again, you, you are free at least- falling near the death kiss, which is just snap, 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 almost like whip motions reached out to try and lash you with its tentacles, but mm. it keeps missing. Okay. Alan is going to try to use, you know, I think, yeah, he's going to try to u- use an action to once again, um, like basically ride the fall of the T-Rex. Um, okay. Just try to dive onto that. Sure. Alan is moving over to the T-Rex. 
I rolled a two on the die twice when I'm trying uh, to do this. So I'm another another trying, but it's, it's really hard to maneuver while skydiving. Maybe it's the turbulent. Like this is a thing he's used to doing, but he's not used to doing it with the turbulence of a falling airship next to him. And so it's like messing <laughs> up the aerodynamics. That. Um, that's that's two elevens or, or two twos on the die. Um, also, I love the mental image of Alan who is wearing like suspenders and briefs and that's it falling with like all his tools are like streaming behind <laughs> him. He has like a hula skirt of like the rod <laughs> of intelligence and his flamethrower and you know, probably like a hammer or something like it's all just like streaming oh, behind him. Jeez, because the goal here is to ride the T-Rex and then shoot the, the death kiss with his various implements such as flamethrower and rifle of ice knife. If he pulls this off, it will become the best fan art possible. I know, but he just can't seem to do this. Uh, and the, he's still at range uh, to the death kiss, right? Like he's not in melee. No, no, no. He's, fight. you know, because yeah. the death kiss had him 10 feet away. So he would need to maneuver yeah. to it as well. Yeah. And he doesn't want to do that. Um, I don't think there's anything I can really utilize for my bonus action here. So I think that's just, it's just like, all right, try, try again. That's it. <laughs> okay. That brings us to Jeb, the T-Rex's turn with Bruiser on deck. Um, <clears throat> jump, 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 jump. He's just going to try to crush this thing like a Concord grape. Yeah, he is. Ooh, not as good. Um, that is a 16 to hit. Attackers win in a tie, and so he continues to damage it. All right. That is another 4d12 plus 7. 22 points of damage. 22 points of damage. Great. Uh, And then he's going to take... You take seven points of lightning damage as um, as because the creature is bleeding, the lightning charge that it kind of builds up in its bloodstream is arcing across the T-Rex's face. Mm. Um, is that all Jeb's doing? Uh, he don't have the brains to try to move or anything like that. He's just like <laughs> chomping this thing as <laughs> much as he can. T-Rex eat. Uh, is okay. it looking like it's getting close to being like bad? I mean... It's like bleeding from a couple cuts that you've put into it, but it doesn't seem like it's dying, dying. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, he may make he may make a, a tiny subconscious mental note uh, <laughs> about that. Okay. In his, in his tiny subconscious. So That's right. with with that, Jeb, Bruce, uh, Jeb, Owlin, and Death Kiss all continue their fall. Um, so they are five hundred feet down. FP and Clara are still even with the boat. Bruiser, it is your turn. Uh, is Clara 20 feet off? Yeah, Clara's 20 feet off where FP was, but she's also flying, so she can probably get herself yeah. back on the boat. FP's, Bruiser, F- FP's, FP's on board. Have you got now? him? Yeah. He missed. He uh, stepped. Can Bruiser see FP from the cockpit, or no. does he have to peek around? But Fox can, actually. Fox is looking out on the deck. Fox, you can see that FP has harnessed himself in. Fox, okay. is, is FP out there? Yeah, um, I'm still trying to catch up with. <laughs> I am here. I am on the deck, and I'm I am harnessed in. 18 seconds ago, Fox was sleeping. Just so clear on how this fight is going. Um, what what Clara, is? He's he's okay. Is okay, that I'm gonna go try to help Jeb and Allen. Oh, okay. Wait, Be t- safe. Wait. Uh, 
Tell her to come back. Fox wants you to come back. Why? Why? I have a plan. I have a yeah. plan. Talk to me. <laughs> you both have a plan, apparently. <laughs> as long as you're not touching the creature, I can solve this problem really fast. As long as Fox, as long as you're not touching the creature, Fox says he can solve the problem very fast. I'm not gonna touch it. I'm gonna go no, touch them. Alan in a non-creepy way. And that is Fox. the third charge on the earring of message that the two of you are yep. wearing. And so the spell has ended until your next long rest. Goodness. Uh, those of you listening at home, you couldn't see it, but uh, Clara Albuquerque just did a peace sign, like "Peace out, I'm out of here" to go in a non-creepy way touch Alan. Um, <laughs> Okay, uh, Bruiser, what are you doing as far as your action this turn? Um, I think he's just going to continue making sure the ship is on track. Nothing goes wrong. Sure, just keeping the, the boat steady. Uh, that yep. brings us to Clara Albuquerque's turn with FP62 on deck. The boat is now plummeting 500 feet. So, Clara, the boat is ahead of you, but you your turn will involve falling, so you can fall and keep up with it. Oh, I was not cut out for this. I am a baker. And she is going to try to dive bomb in the same way as before, plummet. Yep. Um, and catch up and snatch on to Alan. The goal is not to lift him, but just to anchor herself to Alan. Sure. I don't know if that's an action. She has the move speed to catch up with him. It's only an action if Alan resists. Alan, are you okay with Clara latching on to you or are you going to try and resist? Alan's okay with that. Okay. Alan! Um, question for the DM yeah. last time you expressed that these creatures could be communicated to and they were persuadable but I, I could you repeat that that sound bite for me uh, I couldn't repeat the sound bite but I can go look it up and give you the information again one second that would be helpful I will also talk to chat is asking about why the boat is falling this is an airship they just named it the cug boat so now it gets confusing in the way we talk about <laughs> it um, okay. It's the you know, SS happy orc. You know that a death kiss is, uh, a lesser beholder. It's usually a slave to other beholders or works on behalf of them. Uh, uh, excuse me. You know that it consumes ingested blood, which it uses to generate electrical energy and to heal itself. You know that it is, uh, intelligent enough to be intimidated or persuaded, but it lacks finesse or high intelligence. So it's not very strategic, but you can scare it off or convince it like this will be good for you. There are creatures that often serve as lieutenants, but they're mostly minions in that capacity. So they're kind of like a big, scary deterrent force, uh, so okay. to speak. And the languages they understand are deep speech uh, or abyssal and undercommon. <laughs> All right. Do I still have an action or is everything I'm... You have I done not everything? used an action okay. yet. You've used your move speed. The free falling is it's just happening to you. So you fell 500 feet. You used your move speed, which is a fly mm -hmm. speed of up to 70 feet okay. to get to Allen. You still have an action available to you. I'm going to try to be a backpack on the back of Allen. Latch my little hands in with my little feet. Yoda be style. A, be a backpack. Now he looks like he has pretty little tiny wings. Um, and, and I'm going to be like... Alan, if you think of anything smart to say, tell me. And um, and I'm going to use my universal speech feature. Okay. Um, as an action, choose one or more creatures in 60 feet of you. Um, the creatures can magically understand you for up to an hour. 
<laughs> Alan just responds, uh, thanks for saving my life. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> what do you want to tell the big ugly? Um, okay. And so then she's going to start screaming at it. Um, just like, you don't know who you're dealing with. We are undefeated in battle. Get out and save yourself. There's a weapon we will destroy you with. And just try and tell the the death kiss and anything else in that 60 foot range. Sure. Up to like five or something that they should skedaddle. There's only the death kiss. So this isn't relevant okay. right now, but you have to pick one creature that you target with that ability. Let's um, choose one or more. Oh, um, one or more. You're right. Your charisma mod number. Never mind. I'm wrong. You're right. Six. Um, but there is still just the death. That is fine. So I will not try to scare away the (laughs) T-Rex. He looks friendly. Uh, go ahead and roll your intimidation check. The death kiss has rolled. It's a pose check. I've got an 18. You've got an 18. Uh, the death kiss immediately begins straining against the, the T-Rex that is holding it in place, kind of flailing and trying to pull itself in the, away from Clara and Alan. It can't because there's a T-Rex holding it in its jaws. Um, but it's going to, tr- in fact, it's going to roll to escape, uh, as a legendary guy. action. It's going to try and break mm-hmm. out. So here comes that roll to escape. Aww, I just rolled a corner. So I'm rolling again. <laughs> Here's its roll to escape. Uh, it does not succeed with a three on the die. So uh, it remains grappled and that will conclude Clara Albuquerque's turn and bring us to FP six, two, who is anchored to the deck of the falling ship with the death kiss on deck. So to speak FP six, two, you stand anchored to the deck by a harness uh, holding onto the railing, which you can let go of if you want to use your weapons or whatever this turn to your right in the cockpit. Fox is standing there in the doorway, kind of looking out at you, but not poking out far enough to be in danger. And then across the railing from you, the death kiss is grappled by a T-Rex. So just underneath the death kiss is a T-Rex. This is about, I would say 40 feet off the deck, 20 feet off the deck is Clara sticking off of Alan, like a backpack yelling at it. Uh, They are not obstructing your line of sight to the death kiss for whatever you might want to do. And that brings us to your turn. Um, FP is, like he's got the harness thing and I think he's going to like push like, like he's, he's terrified of this thing and, and the thought of him being like now being unique and being an individual and not just one of many of an assembly line um, is kind of fearing for the preservation of his life. And so he like, pushes like he walks back a little bit and pushes him himself away but the harness tightens and knowing that he can't push himself he's going to draw his rifle and try to shoot it um it's going to be at disadvantage because he's afraid yes but the creature is grappled so it's like not you're right. Because so he would have had advantage. advantage he would have would advantage. Cancel out. And since he didn't walk last turn, or no, like, yeah, since he can't move this turn, he can use steady aim, which will give him advantage. Well, didn't you just say he tried to move away and the harness tightened? So that harness has right. 30 feet of length. So, like, he would be climbing oh, hand does. over hand on the railing. He would get 30 feet and it would tighten, which is not enough okay. to get to the door of the car. So it's a normal attack, normal yeah. attack roll, but the creature's grappled. He has. 
essentially he, he's got like enemies flanking it. So if this hits, it's going to be a sneak attack. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. Can he do it? Come on, Iranian sniper. Eight plus eight to hit. 16, 16 ties its AC. Attacker wins in a tie. So that means that we roll 66 plus 12 plus four. Nice. Which is 11 plus four is 15 plus five is 20 plus three and three is 26 plus four is 30 plus three is 33 plus four is 37 points 37 of piercing points damage. points of piercing damage. FP lines nice. up the shot and this thing, this falling massive kind of livid flesh with this big red eye in the center, FP lines up right on the eye and gets this insane shot right into it for 37 <laughs> points of damage. Uh, and the the creature, which is already straining to pull away from Clara, who has intimidated it, now it's starting to look in really like it's really looking out of sorts. Um, it's it's significantly bleeding. That shot that you just hit it with actually took one of the tentacles off as it came out the other side. You know, it's like a you're you're really starting to to beat this thing up. Um, so that will be that turn. I'm sorry. Just the idea of just being like, yeah, you shot it. The exit wound ripped off the limb. I, th- I think you're kind of beating him up. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's he's kind it's of showing somewhere. It. It's, it's showing somewhere. Well, it has ten yeah. tentacles, so they're like thin little, uh, you know, piercing tentacles. Uh, they're not like not big anymore. buff arms. That's why they're um, called ten tentacles. That's got right. Nine tentacles now. There ten we go. Tentacles. Uh, okay, so FP takes the shot, even through his fear, is able to get a really good shot off and hit the death kiss. When he hits he, the death kiss, Jeb as a T-Rex takes. Oh, that's fine. Uh, six points of lightning damage as uh, the blood kind of falls, you know, some of it falls onto Jeb's face. Yeah. And, and so the, the lightning kind of shrinks across him. The death kiss is going to... It's going to attack Jeb with all three tentacles. Um, it has, seems, I, bl- I believe, advantage on attacks against a creature that's grappling it. It just has disadvantage on everything else. Is that right, or do I have it backwards? Mm, that doesn't make it sense. It might be but that I'm the grappling sure. creature has advantage. Usually it's that, I think. It grapples creatures, yes. speed Your atta- zero. Its attacks are normal against you, disadvantage against others. Yeah. Grappler has advantage. Sorry, that's my bad. So it's going to attack gotcha. three times against Jebosaurus Rex. The first attack is a uh, 21 to hit. His AC is 13, okay. so that <laughs> one hits. The first attack hits. The second one barely misses, and the third one is a natural 20. Um, nice nice so it hits jeb with the first tentacle lances into jeb and it deals um it deals 11 points of lightning damage and now jebosaurus rex is also grappled the second tentacle is going to boom lance into jeb and it's going to deal why did i put these dice away i knew it was going to hit him twice (laughs) (laughs) it's going to deal 12 points of piercing damage and then it's going to use its legendary action to use its blood drain um so you need to make a dc 16 constitution saving throw jebosaurus rex okay 
Good thing I've got 19 constitution. Hey, yo. Ooh, not good. That's a 6 plus 4, so 10. Only 10 on the con save. Uh-oh. Gross. This could be bad for Jebosaurus Rex. Jebosaurus so, Rex, you take 37 points of whoa. lightning damage and you see some of the cuts healing over the skin of the death kiss as this happens, ah. as it sucks life force out of the T-Rex. Um, and 37, isn't that how much you just dealt to it? That's so, that's so frustrating. Okay. Um, regrows just now. <laughs> it does not just regrow. Just now. Tentacle. Yeah. Uh, the Jebosaurus Rex starts to bleed a little. <laughs> the the eye widens and it begins flailing even more frantically trying to get away. <laughs> it's like that was a paper cut <gasps> and it starts trying to get away. Uh, the, the falling uh, combat continues as we return to the boat's turn at this moment in time, the boat is even with everybody. Um, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Cause the boat falls on bruiser's turn. So everyone is even with each other right now. So the boat has fallen just off the deck of the boat. 20 feet off is Allen with Clara bonus Clara. And then about 10 or 20 feet from them is the death kiss with a T-Rex hanging off of it fighting. I prefer uh, to think of it as Al- as Clara with bonus Allen bruiser. Do you <laughs> want to deploy anybody on the crew at the moment or no? Uh, could he do a small arms fire? Yeah, the crew could return small arms fire. The portholes on the two stabilizing fins on that side of your airship get kicked open as Rex and Sasha take a knee and each of them holds up a rifle of ice knife and begins returning fire. I believe you've got the roll to hit and stuff on your, your sheet there, Trevor. Yeah, I do. And uh, the cog, okay, it has its own stats. They're up at the top of your... Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Okay. I made for those of you listening who may not have joined us last week. I took the average of all the crew NPCs on the Cugboat and made those the stats of the crew, so that when we roll attacks like this, we just have to roll. Um, that is a nine to hit on the first attack. Okay, the first attack not. is a miss, and the second attack is a. Aren't these at advantage because it's restrained? Oh yeah. Yes, they are. Good call. Okay. So use your second roll as the advantage for the first attack. Well, I'm glad that it didn't have, it was a natural one. Oh, well, so. that's good. So that turns into a nine and yes. then the crew gets one more attack with advantage. Yeah. First roll was 11. Second roll was five. So then 11 plus the dex is three is 14. Okay, so none of the small arms attacks hit, but none of them hit your teammates either. It's hard to aim at a creature outside of a falling airship with a tiny porthole sized opening. Okay, this is not rocket or this. This is kind of rocket science. Uh, (laughs) We, the Cug boat, missed all of our attacks last week as well. (laughs) Um, Okay, that concludes the Cug boat's turn, and it brings us to uh, Fox with Owlin on deck. All right. Um, I, I think I, I get about as much as I'm going to get. <laughs> um, I'm going to uh, pull out my little sacks uh, and I'm just going to be like, burp, 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 and I'm going to whisper um, and point Careless. at the Jebediah Rex. So, like, what are the chances you could let go of that thing? And I could save your butt. 
<clears throat> Jebosaurus um, well, Rex hears my, a strange grunting in its head. <laughs> with my intelligence of two, can I roll a, uh, an intelligence check to see if I comprehend this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to make Fox roll anything to persuade you. Fox is a bard. I'm going to say if you roll higher than a 10, then you are okay. able to comprehend okay. the basic command of like open your mouth, you know, like say, ah, um, and you can kind of get the idea that that's what the grunting wants. And otherwise you're like, I don't know. I'm a negative four. Here we go. <laughs> oh, that's just teasing me. I rolled a, a 13 for a nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fox, but, you, but you see the it? T-Rex head like turn around and to look at you and go. Is he just like, <laughs> yeah, the T-Rex turns to look at you. The flailing death kiss is like swung at the end of a pendulum <laughs> as it turns to look at you, but it still can't pull away. Um, that Fox, All right. that's your action. You want to do a move or a bonus action? Um, I'm <laughs> how far away is I, I'm assuming Jebosaurus Rex is the furthest. Yes. Jebosaurus Rex is the furthest <laughs> from you and it would be somewhere in the realm of like 80 to 90 feet. All right. So, you know, now if you just said bad, drop it, maybe, you know, maybe Josh would have <laughs> given us advantage or something like right. that, but I'm going to um, <laughs> take a deep breath um, do a little, little roll for myself. Okay. Which I passed. Um, I'm just gonna shoot out the door. I'm just gonna kick off Ooh. with reckless abandon okay. towards oh, Jebosaurus. Okay. Um, so you're leaping trying off to get the people boat. on the boat. Are you yeah, jumping I'm off the kick boat? Off. I'm kicking off the boat. Sure. Uh, Fox, the rogue, very dexterous, easily able to make the jump. Roll an acrobatics check. Let's see if you can make it the whole way to Jebosaurus Rex using like free fall, basically, and the force of your jump. I'm not trying to get too close to the thing. (laughs) that I. Oh, I'm sorry. Jebosaurus Rex. What is your goal? I'm just trying to get I'm just trying to get closer and I don't mind going off the boat for it. Sure. I'm just trying to get towards (laughs) him. Okay. Um, Let's say uh, depending on how high I roll here is however far I get. And if I roll too high, that's my own fault. Just, just roll. And I'll tell I'll tell you where, where you end up. Okay. Uh, I got a 22, 22. You are easily able to make it at least as far as where Alan and Clara are, which would put you about 10, 15 feet away from the creature. So you have just leapt off the boat. Um, basically like Superman diving boom FP you you take your shot you rest for a second to watch what happens and Fox shoots by over your shoulder as he launches quietly out into the abyss basically um, that is not the correct way continuing to fall <laughs> and uh, Clara and Alan probably don't notice because they're looking at the creature they're attacking for sure so um, Fox you appear like right behind them basically but they're not aware of you and I do have my reaction. You do. You have a bonus action, I believe, as well, right? Yes. Um, that I'm was your move. I'm going to use my, um, my bonus action reaction. Well, you um, don't have to use both. A bonus action and a reaction are two different things. Oh, okay. So you well, can use a use reaction, reaction on someone else's turn or use it now. Sure. I'm going to use it now uh, to cast. Um, I'm going to pull up my sax and be like, bru, bru, bru. I... I Listen, you're getting what you're getting today. <laughs> <laughs> I love <laughs> <Sorry>. Cleo. <laughs> 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 
boop, beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. Okay. Yeah, we're going, we're going, boop, boop, boop. And we're casting, uh, we're casting Featherfall. Uh, and I can cast it onto up to five people. Um, Ooh. And I can cast it on myself. And Alan gets a Featherfall. And Jebosaurus Rex gets a Featherfall. <laughs> and Clara gets a Featherfall. Is there anybody else that is not the kiss thing? Nope, that is everybody uh, who's out here. Then that, that's everybody who gets Featherfall. Okay. Everyone. The T Rex is going to hold up the death fall. kiss, just so we're clear. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to avoid that, uh, but you know. <laughs> okay, I'm, here I'm we worried. are. So, Fox, because you did this at the top of initiative order. You leap out there, FPC's Fox, shoom, shoot by, basically horizontal plane, Superman dive, whizzes over his shoulder. Fox rolls over, I guess, onto his back in order to hold the saxophone without the wind resistance taking his breath away, laying on his back, yes. falling kind of angelic looking. <laughs> Alan and Clara, five feet away from you with no warning whatsoever, you hear a saxophone go, what up, what up, what up? And all of a sudden your fall is slowed by a factor of 600% from 500 (laughs) feet per round to 60 feet per round magically. And so you just get that like kind of stomach wrenching vertigo feeling as like the fall is over. Basically the boat is not arrested by feather fall. (laughs) I probably should have told the pilot before I left takes off 500 feet out of sight into the mist or not into the mist, but out of sight vertically on its way down. You maybe see like a little tiny one inch deck of the boat down there. The thrusters are two turns away from being able to go vertically because it has been adjusting to outrun you in free fall. The T-Rex is arrested. And because of the momentum of the not arrested death kiss, the death kiss shoom, inverts the T-Rex, which is now suspended <laughs> above it as the T-Rex holds it in place. I don't, there's no role. The T-Rex is easily strong enough to catch the tiny, com- relatively tiny death kiss in its teeth. But now there's flipped over. Its tail goes swinging between Fox and Owlin, barely, you know, like the wind brushing you as it inverts upwards. And now you're all floating here in the suddenly there's no howling wind you can't hear the water which is several miles below you still you're just suspended gently falling 60 feet per second fox laying on his back playing a tune on his saxophone in midair uh <laughs> clara yelling at the death kiss the clara, death your kiss wings are extremely and strong straining and trying to get away <laughs> the boat gone <laughs> And that brings us to Alvin's turn. I uh, take a, a breath real quick and uh, look to Alan. So, uh, care to explain? Uh, well, um, you've recovered at the perfect time. And Alan will uh, <laughs> say that and unsling his rifle of ice knife and take aim at the death kiss. Yeah, he will. <laughs> I just cannot that. get this mental picture of Fox laying on his back, like whispering to Alan. Hey, how's it going? You know, mm-hmm. like hits him with a one liner, has a saxophone out. Fox, who's deathly afraid of heights. Yeah. Fox overcame his fear. Butts. Let's talk about that. Okay. Go ahead. Alan. Alan rolled a natural one. Ugh. No. Alan a hero. pulls out his ice knife. 
and drops it. The rifle, he like fumbles the rifle and it, you know, fall. He's trying not to hit Clara with the butt end of the rifle as he pulls it out, you know, and it just topples and Alan loses his rifle of ice knife into the abyss below. Um, Alan just like has his hands over his face for a second, like in, par- in embarrassment and frustration. <laughs> just like Maybe uh, Bruiser will grab it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, bruiser, roll a percentile die. Wash, roll a percentile die. Cleo, decide over or under. Uh, you know what? I'm going under. Under. Uh, bruiser, if your roll mm. is under, Wash's roll. Because the ship's going under. Or Trevor, if your roll is under Wash's roll, then the rifle will land heavily on the deck of the cugboat. You better roll low, son. I did roll low. I rolled a 17. I rolled a 12. (laughs) Let's go. Alan's rifle of ice knife (laughs) slams into the deck at high speed. FP easily has the reflexes now that he is not in combat to reach out and grab it. FP has his gun in one hand and the ice knife rifle in the other (laughs) hand. He is now suspended by the harness clips to his waistband, like 30 feet above the tugboat (laughs) as it begins trying to arrest its fall. Um, if if he was within range of the bad guy, he could be like Rambo right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. FP is feeling very American right now. That brings us to <laughs> Jebosaurus Rex's turn, I think, unless Alan is going to do anything else. No, Alan's next turn is going to very carefully try to get out the flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> Jeb's turn. Uh, um, with Bruiser on deck. Well, I mean, Jebosaurus Rex would have just crunched down on this thing, but he... He kind of like has a little confused puppy dog eyes and he like turns to Fox and he's like, <laughs> I told you to drop him. <laughs> I, 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 if you, if you drop it, drop it, it's no longer going to hurt you. Drop it. I drop a it. 20 on my intelligence. Yeah. Check. You understand. Jebosaurus <laughs> Rex understands. Uh, well, I think he's just going to kind of like, Go. Uh, throw it. Sw- swing his head and just be like, <laughs> and just like try just to fling it into swing the it distance. Loose. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, grappling him, so I, I assume this is like an opposed strength check, unless it chooses to ungrapple him. Uh, yeah, it is not going to ungrapple him. So this is essentially a roll to escape because he's releasing his own grapple. So go ahead and okay. roll athletics or, uh, well, yeah, just athletics. It'll just be trained or untrained, depending on whether a T-Rex has any training in athletics. <laughs> it, it surprisingly does not. Oh, well, rip. I but mean, it has I mean, a it's a 25 wild. strength, so it's still a plus seven. Um, DC to beat here is, is 14. Oh, I rolled a 14, so it's 14 Ayo. plus 7, peasy, peasy. so that's 21. Yeah, uh, it's Let's just, go. there's just not a comparison between the grip strength of uh, flimsy tentacle, two flimsy tentacles, and the throw strength of a Tyrannosaurus Rex's neck, yeah. as it just, <laughs> the neck muscles. you know, yeah. chucks yeah. this creature off into the distance, hissing and, you know, tentacles flailing, um, and... Uh, even though it has a fly speed, it kicks in its fly speed and it leaves. It flies away. Um, and Jebosaurus Rex just like gutterly roars at the top of its lungs at the thing. The roar echoes into the distance. Um, we have left combat, so I'm going to leave combat initiative and assume that Bruiser is going to try and arrest the fall of the boat next, right? Seeing yep, his companions yep. shoot off into yep. the distance above yep. him. Uh, gonna, uh, bruiser, you know, undoes the thrusters. So it takes another two so, rounds, which is plenty of time for you to not hit the mists for the boat to come to a rest two rounds or um, 12 seconds of the rest of you just floating there 
wondering if anything's <laughs> going to happen. And then down- I just don't want to be that downer guy. I'm talking to Alan. Um, but uh, I just want, I want you all to know we have uh, <laughs> uh, music. We, we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> Are we dying? Am I dead? Uh, oh, well, I was crying, uh, but my tears were flying upwards br- so quickly. <laughs> If you can no, estimate how many seconds we have. Uh, how, how long since I've casted Featherfall DM? Uh, it, it has now One been three rounds, rounds oh, right? Rounds. Counting the two rounds um, before the boat starts going upwards. Am I screaming? 40 seconds, 30 seconds. Can you hear uh, me? Well, that's that's enough time I think for Bruiser. I I trust Bruiser. Yes, we can hear we we can hear you. You're right oh here. You're gosh. on my back. Still. I, right? I'm falling. Alan like looks. Yeah, we're or we're all I thought for, for a moment there, I before I processed the saxophone music, I thought you were keeping me from falling and that your wing strength was extremely high. Well, I'm <laughs> fabulous, but you're rather large. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I know. That's why I was confused and realized the you know the correlation with the saxophone music and everyone. Oh yes, uh, oh, well. sadly. <laughs> if I had a winkle digit for every time we fell a mile, as the thrusters of the cugboat get louder Laura and louder, is like quietly crying. The cugboat <laughs> thrusting vertically as fast as it possibly can. We didn't work out what this is, so I'm going to say it takes exactly to the end of Featherfall um, at its full speed. So right as Fox is like, oh, no, I'm going to lose it. Boop, you like fall five feet and your feet are on the deck of the cugboat um, and it doesn't hurt anybody and everyone is fine, except we need to talk about the T-Rex. Does Jeb release the T-Rex concentration to fall as Jeb or is there a T-Rex trying to land on the cugboat, which is going to involve some rolling? Um, he releases it. Okay. So, but as he, as he drops to the deck, uh, Jeb is bleeding profusely. And this is probably the, the most you have seen Jeb wounded. He is really messed up right now. Like really, really messed up. Even after an entire tower almost fell on him. I mean, well, that was the whole way he was dead. dead. Um, well, yeah, but yeah, you weren't there. I've only got, so this is the worst you've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, that's ten, true. I've For, got ten hit points left, and uh, he just like sits on his butt, and he's just like, "Can we just like be done? Can we like, Jeb? Can we do I, the cataclysmic I, ritual just like here? Can we just like try <laughs> it like without cake? Can we just like do that real quick?" A hand be done. Almost die. A hand at the end of a tailored suit arm reaches down and clasps Jeb on the shoulder, and he says, "Not far yet. Look up there." And he points upwards, and you can see that because of your proximity to it before this fight, you are less than a day's travel from one of the pillars of Eternal Vigil. At this stage, thirty miles in width is enough that it just goes as far as you can see. There's just a huge wall of black to one direction from you. This kind of obsidian or dark stone, um, this, this pillar reaching up. It's 30 miles tall. It climbs uh, five Mount Everest vertically from where you are. That's how high it is. So you're six miles in the air. There's another five Mount Everest, 30 more mile or um, whatever that yeah. is. 30 minus six, uh, 24, <laughs> 24, 24 more miles vertically there. 
So that's what that's what you're looking at as Bruiser deftly begins piloting the cugboat towards it. But more importantly, as you approach the pillar here at the six mile altitude mark, you can see that you get closer and closer. We turn off the uh, the elevator music from Fox falling <laughs> as you're getting closer and closer to the pillar of eternal vigil. You begin to see things. It's the lookouts who call it out first uh, along with Fox and maybe FP who are the first to realize that twisting around the tower, like the threads of a screw are some kind of incline mass with a stone railing carved or perhaps um, added afterwards to the edge of the pathway reaching up to about just over shin height. This this walkway spiraling up as far as you can see rough hewn into the tower. So it's not like smooth and perfect. It's like this was manual labor and it starts at this six mile vertical point because the other thing you can see dug into the side of the tower is a large empty space or what would have been an empty space approximately airship sized except in it uh, flashing lights still dimly pulsating as you approach is an airship with a huge mast and sails coming off the sides and with the thin wisp of apple cat smoke permanently in the air around mm. it, there is the airship that you think of as, as K's airship. You've heard of it in the lore. You are confident that this is the airship of K. You don't see any signs of life aboard it. And in fact, it may be that the lights are only working because you have come within a hundred feet of it. As a bruiser mm. approaches mm. the edge of the tower, there is a quick gathering of um, four guys, ventures and vibes company members on the main deck of the cugboat. Everybody wants to see Kelnor's airship or K's airship, but also everybody wants to talk about the next steps. Everybody is talking at once. And so there's a lot to cut through. The first thing that you hear is Larodith chewing out bruiser. How dare you put the ship into free fall? I am constructing a delicate instrument down there. And as soon as you put the ship into free fall, you change, you dangerously endangered the structural nature of the dangerous machine that I am attempting to create in my own dangerous circumstances. Right next to her. Randy is going four valves, four valves held together by flex seal. Alan, how can you allow? And then right next to him, (laughs) Carlel is is over there slapping Bruiser on the shoulder going, that was the dopest thing I have ever seen. Oh my gosh. I did lose some dice over the side of the boat, but like, come on, that was worth it. Beneath that, Rex and Sasha are like, did you see us shoot at that thing? We totally helped. Right next to Rex and (laughs) Sasha, the mountain is holding a huge catering platter. The mountain is, you know, six feet tall, seven feet wide, holding this gigantic catering platter of muffins. And so every now and then, you know, people reach over and grab a chocolate chip muffin and just stuff it in their face. Wash, what is Radford saying? Is he joining Joins the commotion on the airship. You did it, guys. I knew I had a good feeling about you. Right when next I- to Radford telling you he has a good feeling about you is um, Zopf, uh, who is... Um, what is Zopf doing? Probably taking records of some kind? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's asked right Ry- Riley, can you draw the situation? Riley, already hard at work drawing the I- airship. <laughs> uh, already on it. We, we cut back to, yeah, the Mykonid who finally gets silenced by using his spores of calm emotions on everybody. <laughs> uh, 
and or affirmative the Mike did now, Mike and sovereign standing up there, his his tie, his necktie tied around his otherwise kind of coarse bark like body. Um, he he gets silence out of everybody, and he says, "We have reached an important moment because we cannot all leave at this stage. There is at least two other operations that need to be undertaken while we try to retrieve K." We need to find rubies as ordered by one of our founders. And that is a mission for Rex, Sasha, and Ronald. Ronald, who like his head is totally buried under everybody else, but he's there with his paperwork and his giddy face. Um, and we also need to retrieve the book of exalted deeds from Udril, a task which I have assigned to some of our other operatives. At the same time, it is paramount that we find and retrieve K and that we complete Laredith's machine. And so I propose that we send lookouts aboard this airship to see what can be found. We prepare equipment wise, the rest of our teams, and then we work out our next stages. Once we know whether K is on the airship or not founders, do you disagree? I agree with that. Uh, Trevor, yeah, on behalf of solid. the boat's crew, please roll an investigation check. Okay. Uh, six on the die plus the boat's int is nine total. It takes them a long time to comb the to, to thoroughly comb the airship that they find. They find. Uh, for one thing, they find proof that this was Kay's airship. Um, they find an altar or a shrine, I should say, of Kelnor in there. They find a solid uh, storeroom that is full of, uh, to Clara's delight, like spices and seasonings and all kinds of things that you would use when you're cooking like for a party, like when you're hosting people for like a big dinner party, or, you know, ornate teacups and all sorts of nice things. Uh, they find where a huge store of apple cats should be, but it has been <laughs> cleared out and they find that uh, there are 30 or 40 dead changelings aboard, but no sign of K himself. And mm. the trail leads towards the winding path that is climbing the pillars of eternal vigil. The ship has run out of food, food. They had spices, but they have run out of food, food at some point. Um, it's hard to tell when, cause it's all gone. And the bodies aboard the ship appear to have been dead for a while. So they probably starved um, and died here in this spot. There is uh, no other sign aboard the ship itself as you're waiting for them. Um, well, actually, let's just say they come back and do that report. So what would you all like to do as your next step? Obviously, we've got to go up the tower. Is it or who's going to go up the tower and what else is going to happen? This is really a decision for you as the players. Hmm. I mean, do we just take the ship up? I mean, but we're going to have to deploy some other teams. This is the maximum altitude of the ship, six miles mm. uh, altitude, which is also like the cruising altitude of airplanes. Um, but this is the, the maximum altitude of your airship. Hey. So the rest of it would have to be done on foot or arcanely, you know, like you'd have to fly a spell or something like that. I can't take the ship any higher, but... Um I think you guys should go. I, I feel like I need to stay with the ship in case something crazy happens again and we need to free fall or I don't know what. Randy's also like, this ship also needs repairs and you are responsible for that need. There is no way I'm going to get out on the wing unless you are out there on the wing. 
He's just like yeah. being salty about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, that that is fair, I guess. I, I I do feel as though Bruiser would be a, a valuable addition to the team scouting up the up the pillar. But I understand, um, and it's obviously ultimately up to you. Um, I would like to be a part of the group heading up the the pillar. Um, and obviously we have um the charms of air bubble that I think will become very useful up the up, like up that way. I definitely just I need to be there. <coughs> I I don't know. It's, By my calculations, Laredith kind of walks up to you adjusting her spectacles. By my calculations, um, it could take up to a whole year to climb the remaining height of this tower manually. Hmm. However, the abilities that you bring as adventurers may shorten that time to as little as 36 weeks. Also, (laughs) if you find a way magically to speed things up, you may also shave time off of your journey in that way. 36 weeks is still a lot of time. It is, but I see no other alternative. Hmm. How do we know it goes all the way to the top? That is true. We don't, and we don't know whether it K will necessarily be at the top. Garlel is, is the one who enters the conversation. It goes the whole way. At one point, Garlel, my cartographer's guild attempted to map this tower and they were met by emissaries from the wizard's order at the top of it who requested and negotiated with me that it not be mapped in order to preserve their research uh, and their their place of safety. I mean, but this this stairwell had to have been cut after the darkening, right? I don't believe so. I believe it was here when we attempted to chart this place. Hmm. What do we know about this place? Clara says in, it's, a, in a rather subdued voice. We know that, says it's tall. We know that at the top of this tower, there is a guild of wizards who call themselves the Order of the Exalted Ring, a very secretive group whose name has appeared in whispers throughout history, but whose purpose has never been particularly uncovered. I myself do not know it. I respected their request for their secrecy. They explained that they were mages who were attempting to push the limits of magic and that until their research was in a publishable format, they hoped not to be disturbed. And they assured me that they would not dabble in the affairs of the mortal plane uh, or the material plane in any ways that would cause harm to others. And so taking them at their word on that, I let them be. I assume they are all dead now. I don't know how they would have air without magic that high up. But Kay, who was not captured in the darkening, would have his full store of divine magic available. And if he was unable to save his changelings, he should have had plenty to save himself. Well, I'm new in town around here, but uh, back in the day, I used to have a spell back when magic was around, but y'all seem to have, you know, cooked up your own sort of magic hoodads around here. Um, but I used to be able to do something where I could sort of think about a, a, a place or an object or a person and just kind of maybe figure out what legends were known about it. You know, I, 
I like to dabble in rumors, as it were. Um, she's referring to the spell of legend lore. Um, hmm. The spell brings to your nice. mind a brief summary of the significant lore about the thing you named. Um, it might consist of current tales, forgotten stories, or even secret lore that has never been widely known. Um, it has to be something of legendary importance. And the more information you already have about it, the more precise and detailed the information you receive is. It is a fifth level divination spell. I don't know actually if that would be relevant or not for this situation. Our little shrugs. It's worth a try. If their magic was as good as they said it was, which he looks over at Jeb, no offense, not all wizards magic is as good as they say it is. But if it's as good as they say it was, I think they would qualify as being of legendary importance. Sure doesn't hurt. I'd say it's worth a shot. Go for it. Um, alrighty. I will cast the spell. Um, it is instantaneous and la- and takes takes her about ten minutes. So she'll set set up outside of the conversation and work sure. on setting this up. It's she's got all her little spices and stuff that she's just pulled and stuck in her apron from Kay's storage, and she's using them to sort of Clever. create this little divination circle that smells fabulous. While she's doing that, why don't you you can do it as the players or in character as the characters, but decide if there's anyone else besides the three founders who are going up on the exploration bruiser has already said he's going to maybe stay with the ship. So it's just the three of you deciding if you're going to bring anybody else. I'm a bit torn because I, I would don't like know each of you just to be clear. I'd like you to only bring one character that you are playing yeah. up mm-hmm. the tower. Ooh. I'm thinking Jeb might, ah, see, I don't know. I'm thinking Jeb might stay behind. I think, I think Radford would want yeah. and need to go, but I don't yeah. know of a way for everybody to get up there without Jeb's magic. If Jeb's necessary, I mean, he's necessary, you know? Yeah. I I can... And again, just so we're clear, we you know. can make the walk. Like, like I said, we would roll... Um, a survival check to determine how well your abilities helped you. And based on that, I have a different way of rolling how many weeks it takes to summon the, the, the pillar. so much time. It is a long time. That is so much time. I, so, it's calculated based on how long it takes to hike Everest. <laughs> I can crazy. use this. We, we found an item before, right? The saxophone. Um, I haven't attuned to it yet. But if I can attune to that, I believe, based off of what we know about it, I could cast fly, but that would only be on myself. And I can cast it only once a day, but I mean, that would hopefully cut the time a lot. Garlow, um, yeah. you didn't. You said you guys didn't map the whole thing, but do you know, and, and Jeb kind of like does some like quick math, uh, like, this thing is huge, like all the way around. That circumference is is um, impossibly large. It sure Do is. Do we know how much vertical distance there is before it, it loops all the way back around? I don't. And if I'm honest with you, I do believe that uh, from what I was told, some level of arcane magic was employed to make it more like you were traveling the linear distance vertically. So you would find that it took you only 24 miles of movement 
to summit the remaining 24 miles vertically of this tower. Hmm. That magic may have been dispelled, but you carry your own weave with you, so I'm confident it would still work in your case. Unless we turned it off. Unless you turned it off. So you're saying we would just have to travel 24 miles? Yes. Hmm. But you would still suffer the, you know, it's it's a vertical, so you're still walking the circumference of the tower. It just would only take you the time and distance of 24 miles, but you would still need hmm. to summit that much space. It's essentially right. a way of, of shortening the distance you travel. You're still traveling that distance. It's just 24 miles has been stretched across the space between here and the top of the tower, as opposed to circling around a tower however many times to get 24 miles up. I hate to come all this way just to not be a part of this, but, and Jeb kind of looks back at the ship and how grumpy Randy is. I mean, yeah, and it's just like, I really think I need to stay behind with the boat and I, make sure everything is repaired. And I actually have some ideas of some stuff that I could work on that I could honestly use the time. And if it looks like, I, th- I think I'm going to be honest. Those Jeff, are some cool wizards up there, hmm. but I, I think I agree with you because I'm going to need you to stop almost dying. (laughs) Well, when you put it that way, I'm definitely going to come, you stupid jerk. And he just kind of (laughs) punches Fox on the kneecap. No. No, I'm I'm just kidding. But you're right. I, yeah, I think I need to, I think I need to stay behind. Okay. Um, We'll, we'll meet up again. And you better. You it better may come also back with be Kay. beneficial to have your assistance, Jeb, in recovering the Book of Exalted Deeds from Udril as you were there when you vanquished Makar Pedrin. And so you would be able to guide the team that we send to the right location. Yeah, it's, it's all coming together. This, working on the Televibe device, you know, there's... Yeah. There's a lot, yeah. Am, yeah. Am I am I Jacob mistaken? I feel like we did a little heist to get the Exalted Deeds book, did we not? You know what? I think you actually did. I think <laughs> we had because I. So the reason I wasn't thinking of it is because you didn't play it. What happened is I think mm. we added it to the journey that Gunner and Bruiser took on their way from the heists. But to we did house domain. You're so right. They did I forgot play Gunner, because they Gunner, lifted, Gunner, no, we they had play. to lift the glass and <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. exit the building and trick all the guards. Like they totally played it. It, it oh. was actually our most efficient heist yet. It <laughs> wow. was it it actually was really, really well. Heist. You're right. Okay. <laughs> wow. I take that part back. Sorry. Good I didn't realize catch. that was the, the thing that you recovered. No, great catch. I forgot when you all fir- about that. It's just when you first mentioned it in my head, I was like, no. I thought I thought we got it. And then you kept mentioning it. I was like, and like more and more memories from my notes. Because I was like uh, looking through my notes to prepare the session, I was like, "Oh, I think they forgot that." So thanks for reminding me. I'll no, fix that. we we did it. We, okay. We, yeah. We, DM we did is it. like, "That's not what I said. You need to go find no, the en- I, no. find the enchanted spoon." No, everybody's having this conversation, and Garlo walks up, and he's like, "Hey guys, uh, I don't know if you forgot about this, but 
Gunner and Bruiser got that already. And Gunner's off in the distance holding a book that's just leaking <laughs> magic. <laughs> I got it. Gunner, Gunner just like looks above it. He's like, yeah. And it was like a whole thing where I didn't blow anything up. You guys were supposed to be proud of me. I, can't I am you proud of you, Gunner. You did so good. Thank you. You didn't blow anything up? Nothing. He did nothing not blow anything up. I kept, I kept my end of the deal. <laughs> wow. Okay. It was, I, it was it was our most successful mission as a four guys crew, so I suppose. Zooming out from this conversation, it sounds like Fox, Radford, and Owlin are gonna climb the tower. Is that accurate? I I think that's it. Okay. Well, before I'm they gonna, do before they is do Trevor bringing a character? Uh he said Bruiser's gonna stay behind. Um, but that's okay. I've we Trevor and maybe Jeb will have some things to do okay. in the interim. So there's some there's some stuff happening there. Um, but yes. So before you climb, Clara has finished uh, casting legend lore. And so as everyone Ooh. kind of chooses the team, they walk over towards Clara. Yes. You have a hand up, Julia. What's up? I have a DM question as well. I'm uh-huh. sorry. That's um, fine. I, I, I am curious if how teleportation circle might work in this situation as well. Um, it would be limited by the range of, the the rods the even if k is casting a small weave and maybe is near another teleportation circle i believe so yeah okay that's fine all right it was a good thought though no worries Bara, do you all right want- y'all there's all right we're done with this you know the setup do smell it because it's it's a waste of spices, really. I'm going to read the lore that Clara got instead of giving it to you in Clara's voice just because it's going to be really difficult in the same room for me to send this over to you without messing up my overlays. Sorry. <laughs> um, Clara's able to tell you a few things about the Order of the Exalted Ring. The Order of the Exalted Ring first found the central point of all planes, a place they call the City of Doors. Modeled after this, The Order put their substantial powers to the test in creating a clone or a copy of that city. So they ascended to the highest point of the material plane they could find, and like the original, they attempted to create something cast in the shape of a Taurus. The the City of Doors, uh, otherwise known as Sigil, is a city that lives on the inside of a Taurus. So it's like an infinite loop, basically. Um, So they attempted to replicate that Taurus. But unlike the original, they built spell jamming capacities and defenses uh, into their Taurus. So they were basically trying to make one that could move through wild space. They could traverse the astral sea that could go to the elemental chaos, um, but still have all of that access to the other planes. Um, the, the, the Tauruses that they <clears throat> built were partially city like sigil, but again, in attempting to push the boundaries of magic, they extended beyond just the city into different biomes, creating microcosms of fully inhabitable worlds the, the worlds were populated with golems meant to be caretakers and also kind of clean up people because they're practicing their magics in places. And so sometimes there's collateral damage. So they've basically built themselves a little playground to do weird magic. And then they have these, you know, these, these golems who are basically there to like clean it up for them and things like that. Um, and so they, it's almost like creating a demi plane without the limitations of having to go into a dimensional pocket. Um, and so this order of the exalted ring was able to experiment in pushing the boundaries of all schools of magic. Um, the, uh, the, the citadel that they built for themselves at the top of this pillar was like home base for them. It has a, you know, basically like a control center that has access to however many of these Tauruses they built because they're an order of arch mages. They're all very powerful. The founding mage was known as Tasha. 
um, of the order of the exalted ring. And um, she has a, a legendary level of importance, but it is rumored that in the library of the order of the exalted ring is the book of her life's work, uh, something known as the demonomicon. Um, and that is what the exalt, the order of the exalted ring is. And I've been waiting uh, to get to these guys. The whole campaign. No idea how much I want to hug you for just casting that single fifth level spell right now. (laughs) (laughs) Hug away. I'm a hugger. City of what? Jeb is just like, I want to go now. I don't, I don't want (laughs) to stay behind. I, oh man. Jeb is a founder. He can pull rank. (laughs) Oh no, no. Oh Imagine that, a I mean, library populated with insane. only epic level wizards work. <laughs> oh, Frankly, I'm, I'm honey, be honest, oh, my concern I, is that if you are not there, they're climbing like really high and you're the one who like helps people fly, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> oh, no. I guess Fox is good at helping people not falling. I mean, to be fair, Jeb, I will, if you do not go, I will relay everything that I see to you because I, I am sure it will be incredibly, incredibly enlightening. You're not helping me. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> I'm Jeb, I'm, I'm going to be oh. honest. I think for oh. the same reason I, I need to go. I think I'm sweating. I, <laughs> Jeb's like, is blood is off with I can't hat. tell. I yeah, don't want to, well, tell us how you really once feel. Once in a lifetime, it, uh, like, you, you, I can't stop you from going, and I almost want to encourage you just for the simple fact I know what this would mean to you. It also turns out, yeah, the bike and it chimes in, we don't need your help to locate the Book of Exalted Deeds because we have it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wanted to go, it was, it's right to go. Here. It's it was in my just hand. in the bathroom. I was having a good old, you know, toilet read. <laughs> it put, happens. We put Joffrey in charge of inventory and you know the <laughs> records were incomplete. Oh. <laughs> uh. Ronald I mean, is over in the corner writing a Pam for Joffrey. You know, he's got like the little <laughs> personnel action memorandum. It's writing up for Joffrey. <laughs> I mean, I, in, in, in my opinion, Jeb, it would be between you and Radford to kind of talk it out. I don't, I know that it would be important for both of you for different reasons to, to see this. Um, it, it, it is completely unknown whether, like whether it would matter more if either of you went like there is no way that we can accurately predict whether having someone of Radford's skill set versus someone of Jeb's skill set would would make a crucial difference in what we are doing so I mean, the idea is you're gonna bring k back here right said garland that is correct so, so if Radford, Radford just wants to meet the guy like you can meet him here Radford as well as you can meet him up there walks up to Jeb and says it's okay, boss. I can be patient. That's what we monks do. We're chill. We just wait. Good things come when you just wait. You go on up there. You got this. Your buddies need you. He's starting to grow on me. I mean, like I know it's been <laughs> like a while, but he really, he really does have his moments. Um, <laughs> So, okay. What do you what do you say, Jeb? 
Let's, let's as you're having this emotional thought provoking moment, the mountain interposes himself between the two of you holding up this huge platter of muffins. <laughs> uh, Alan's going to grab a muffin and hold it as if it's a drink. And, uh, and, and like, as if he's about to toast it, um, essentially Jeb will and follow he's gonna, suit and he's going to hold it out towards Jeb and Fox. And he's going to like, uh, he's, he's going to pause Fox looks awkwardly say, at the bite he just took and then turns it <laughs> so you can't see it. <laughs> We're going to retrieve K for Zoth. And Alan's going to point, like push out the, the muffin and then take a bite. For Zoth. For Zoth. And as you eat your muffins, it is time to journey. Jeb, am I correct in assuming that you're going to try and use your magic to help with the climb? Yes. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, uh, Alan has an idea to help the, with the climb in a okay. small way as well. We're going to start with, actually, we're going to skip the survival role. We're going to say that because you're both using magic, it's obviously going to be on the shorter end of the roll, which was 3d12 was going to determine how many weeks it takes. I'm going to let you roll your 3d12 with advantage and take the lower number of weeks because we're using magic to augment the travel. Does that feel Can fair to you? Roll a d12 then. So ah, each we each roll a d12. Roll one d12, but we roll we roll two d12. Roll two and take the lower number. Yeah. Now, all right. Because the only other thing I could think of is I can cast fly once a day, but I, I don't think. I mean, so I can like I can use some pretty powerful magic to move us, but I just like I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know how much of a benefit it is. It's it's a little wibbly wobbly. Um, I'm cool with rolling a d12 if we want to kind of like condense it. Yeah, down to let's that. have but, each of you roll but, a d12, I think, and we'll take the lower Alan's number for each. Small way of helping is he wants to use Kelnor's marvelous pigments to make like nice walking sticks and hiking boots for everybody. And that's like, a great <laughs> idea. You know what? Yeah, it's a pebble in your shoe that that kills you. You know, and and having just that, you know, that's a metaphor, but yeah, uh, <laughs> having like just the, the walking stick and and you know. That 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 adds that little bit. <laughs> Every little bit matters. We need to go. add that quote. It's the pebble in your shoe that kills you, Cleo. <laughs> hey, it's me, pebbles. <laughs> um, I don't think that's that's a. I I think I'm I'm paraphrasing or quoting something else. Each me. of you roll two d twelve and take the lower number, and then we're going to add them together to decide how long this walk takes you. What a right, I'm sorry, guys. Two d twelve. I'm, I'm I apologize. Julia has a hand. I, What's up? Sorry, I, I was I reading. Have they already left? No. Okay. Um. So so back in the day, y'all, I I used to you know do a lot of deliveries, and I I ended up I tried this spell out that I think might come in handy. Um, it helps you find the shortest, most direct physical route to somewhere that you're going. So it's like, what's what's going to be the very quickest, most direct way to go? And so it kind of helped me in the cities navigating, you know, something like that. I don't know how much what time that would secret, save me, though. What if there's a secret path? Hmm. That is possible. It, like that, some could, really that could find that. Cool, complicated name like like path transmutation, you know, or like that. <laughs> so some cool, fancy Latin name. You like writing these things down in your little books, don't you? Yeah. I do. It was I just do. called yeah. Find the Path. It was not very <laughs> oh, fancy. Wow. Hmm. It's direct. I mean, that'll work. Yeah. You don't forget it. Like levitate, you know? 
Yeah, sometimes simpler is better, but yes. it only so, works for like a minute though. So I guess if you got lost, it wouldn't really help any longer. So, but we could try. Yeah. We could try to run it before you go. Okay. I'm. I'm willing. To, I, I'm. I'm assuming you were going to take a day in long rest before you leave on your journey yes. anyway to get your HP back. Yeah. So like, yeah. that's fine. You can have cast it and look at it. It's going to tell you that the shortest path is to go around the winding road that leads up Darn. to the top of the pillars. It's always um, worth really a try. Hoping there's like, actually there's a secret door and what are your low no, your lower roles? So if we're, if we're doing the, uh, no, never mind. Never mind. Our Three. low rolls might. Yep. <sighs> I rolled a 10 for my Oh, jeez. Dang. I rolled a 10 and a 12. Okay. Dang. Fox, what yeah. did you roll? Well, I was going to apologize, but now I <laughs> I, no, I don't feel like... Yeah, I, I rolled... My lowest was a 7. I rolled a 7 and a 9. A total of 20 weeks of travel, um, which will take us from summer to winter, not that it matters at this altitude, um, but a total of 20 weeks of travel. Uh, five I had a three months. and a four, so mine were marginally the same anyway. <laughs> five months So one of thing travel. to note mm-hmm. um, is that Jeb has a, inscribed into his spell book one of the scrolls that we got recently for air bubble. Um, so once and we, we have get a bunch of charms those, of air bubble as well. Yeah. But he can just go ahead and like cast it. It's a low level spell and he awesome. can get gotcha. that lasts 24 hours. So he's just going to burn like three spell sec, second level spell slots every day to just cast air bubble on everybody. Okay. Very cool. Now, uh, again, we're abstracting the travel time here, but I'm going to hit you with um, as you leave and then we're going to talk about the mechanics. As you step off of the cug boat and onto land, the cug boat receding in the distance as Bruiser takes uh, the rest of the crew off on their remaining journeys. You turn back to the path, and as you step out of the hangar area and onto the corkscrew path, a bunch of invisible torches spring to life as the Mm. reach of your um, rods of, of magic come in range of them. And so 100 feet away from you is illuminated by torchlight every 10 feet. And the torches are all dancing lights alternating in colors. And so you Mm. have this multicolored path as you walk upwards. You find that the path, while not particularly pretty, is fairly easy, at least at this lower altitude, before you reach the levels where the environment has scoured it. And so in decently good spirits, uh, you all begin your journey. Now, I had determined that for every quarter of a year, every three months that you were traveling, each of you are going to roll a complication for your personal character that applies over the mm. length of the climb. This is like, you know, traveling in hazardous conditions or whatever. Um, the five months only covers one quarter of the year in full. So you only need to do it once, but each of you is going to roll a D six to determine the toll that this journey takes on you. And we do not want to roll a one. Uh, it doesn't matter. They're all complications. It's just oh. a chart of complications oh, in for which one you get. <laughs> Jeez. I got a three. Okay. I got a one. Alan, Alan got a four. The journey is long. 
It gets more and more arduous as you continue climbing the path where, as magic has worn off and prevented it from being shielded, it is not only the weather, but sometimes things that leak out of wild space and impact the tower. And so you come across craters, you come across moments where the path is broken and you need to jump. You in, uh, you encounter freak weather patterns. Whichever of you rolled a three, I believe that was Fox, through all of that weather, you develop one level of exhaustion that will carry with you to the top of the journey. Um, one of you rolled a one, I believe, uh, you Maybe. take 13 points of damage over the hike as you kind of cut yourself on loose rocks or you bump into things or maybe something impacts you. And, uh, what was the last roll? Was it Jake rolled a four? Yes. Jake roll a D 20 for me. Nine, nine. Uh, Alan, you have developed a minor scar, a scar that doesn't have any adverse effect, um, but cannot be removed from you unless you use magical healing of sixth level or higher. Um, what is the minor scar that has been added to Alan? I, Alan already has an, a, a separate minor scar and I'm trying to remember what that exact one was. I should have written it down. I, I just wrote it down that face it, somewhere. Yeah. And it gave me advantage on intimidation, but disadvantage on persuasion. Um, We'll say that that one is like across the the cheek, kind of like from below the eye down to like kind of the the jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, this new scar is uh, on his forearm from a time where he was, you know, maybe there was a gap in the in the in the rocks, and there was kind of a need for a jump, and he just missed the jump, and like on 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 this part of his forearm, he like scraped against some sort of jutting out rock or something, and had a really bad cut sure. that just healed over wrong. Um, yeah. Okay. Now we're about to go through a time skip here, so you're going to need to kind um, of mental. Yes. If 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 I could have like just a moment to talk with. Uh, Oh yeah, Our sure. Characters. Yeah. Um, I guess this would thematically be like at a small campfire along the stairs. Maybe yeah, a little I'm, alcove. I'm going to give like uh, six minutes of real world time for this and then I'll cut back in here just to keep sure. our story moving. So Jeb is, uh, is doing his normal thing that we've been doing for the past couple weeks and that is scratching out a little circle on the ground um, to cast uh, his tiny hut and he like while you guys were like making the fire and it, there's like this domed bubble that like pops up around us. And, um, yeah, so we, um, guys, do you ever, sorry, it's (coughs) just say it. Just having a really hard time, I guess. Can you, does this feel real to you? <laughs> Not like obviously it's real. I, I just mean it's it's difficult know. to imagine that we have made it this far, and yet what what it has come to as is just weeks and months. Of it's just the same thing, man. The same it's thing. It's just like yes. oh, I'm just like I've got my. I feel like I've got calves on the front of my shins and not on the back. Yeah. It's, it's, it's discouraging in the sense that it's not maybe necessarily actually discouraging, but the thought has crossed my mind that we could reach the top of this and not 
find K, which would. I mean, no, he's, but still, he's got to be up there. Think about how just I, I was just thinking about it as right before we started setting up camp. You know, I'm sore and I'm just sick of this hike. Uh, so much more to go, and it just feels so tiring and mundane. And I just realized we're on a tower, reaching impossible heights on this etched stairwell that's been here for who knows how long, powered by arcane magics that only now we're awakening through the weave that we carry with us to a legendary order. We don't even know if they exist or not. To <laughs> Do you realize the scope of what we're just glossing through right now man you are a bard aren't you you really like to throw all those words and then like flower it up and stuff i I, I, no i just i I, but for real though guys come on we are it's quite in the middle of a legend yes i i think it just keeps getting more i I, you you would think fighting a dragon on top of the ice mountain or or uh, i almost I almost want to make sure that when they write this part, they don't just say like 40 weeks later that they like actually like write enough stuff so that people have to like go through the pain of all of these <laughs> steps. Like like the the journey of a thousand steps starts with 40,000 steps or something like I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, it's it's quite it's it's quite incredible. But what I I guess what I keep going back to as well is worrying about what the world that we step back into will be when we return with K or without K, because I don't know if you guys have thought about this, but we need to go back down. Well, it's easier to fall. (laughs) This is, this is true. (laughs) We've already done it before. It's your company motto. It's easier to fall. (laughs) It's, you know, that's, that's what we say. You know, what what do we do when we fall? We fall somewhere. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think uh, I remember from an old bard's tale, but something about fall, uh, flying with style or falling with style. Yeah, know. yeah, there you go. I mean, but, terminal velocity. If we just have something to slow our fall at the end. Which, I mean, we do. Yeah. So, Do you know why they call it terminal velocity? Anyways. Um, yes, we do. We all know that. Yeah. Yeah. But Luckily, we haven't hit the terminal part of terminal velocity yet, although we've come extremely close. Um, I've I've run the numbers, though, Fox. I mean, like the other day when I was writing on Tay, uh, you know, it's like I had some time to, to do some stuff and it's not illusion. Like, you know, and he kind of points out and you can kind of see the 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 separation of wild space and like and like the atmosphere and it's like you know it's obviously day down there but it's kind of black and starry above like it's not an illusion that's just how it looks up here um and i i did we're still going up i mean i can i can judge the altitude ish but it, man the scale is just dizzying i'm i'm honestly a just stuck in a perpetual state of disbelief of what we're doing and 
and then we're just we're just doing it we're just it's just a hike yeah you know like we're i don't know maybe maybe it's getting you know what i have a confession the other day when i told you guys to go ahead i peed onto the pillar instead of off like we had been doing (laughs) just to mix things up you know well uh on our way back down that'll mark exactly we know we will know exactly how far we are on the way down i we just peed on the tower i guess Wait, well, wait it was it. him. Did you? Well, yeah, well, no. I have you been this whole time? We made a deal at the beginning <laughs> that we were going to be economical about this and pee off the side. Oh. Okay, well, I had to at least once. All right. I just, mean, I'm not blaming you. I'm just sad still, that I wasn't the first. I was. A, I, I was a little ashamed. Okay. <laughs> I would like to admit something as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I haven't done it. I just think it's funny to imagine Uh, someone accidentally like flying uh, or walking underneath and then they accidentally get a little sprinkle, but they don't uh, know what it is. Um, I think that that part's (laughs) funny to imagine. So I, yeah. Anyways. Well, Hmm. well, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to go to sleep and dream about the impossible possibilities at the top of this tower that would have existed, do exist, have existed, and instead all I'm going to think about is pissing off of it. So. <laughs> well, ain't that the way it goes? Seven it weeks is. and a number of <laughs> pee stops later. <laughs> the three of you have reached the final loop around the tower, and you can now see sticking off the outside edge of it are um, like parapets of a castle. You know, there are little rounded um, kind of rooms that are kind of sticking off the outside. And above that, impossibly distant in the air and yet barely, barely visible, probably several miles above you, but up here there's no clouds to obscure it. There is a massive Taurus like up there in wild space, just this huge like floating disc. Um, that's way up there, impossibly far, uh, impossible to reach without the aid of some kind of long distance magic or perhaps a teleportation door. Um, but you can see what is either one of the order of the exalted rings sort of clones or the city of sigil is above you kind of suspended in the air there. Um, as you finish the final loop of the tower, you stand in front of a massive pyramid structure, this sort of citadel that springs up like claws leaping together with those outer parapets reaching up like fingers stretching for the stars. Um, As you explore it, you come across a number of rooms within the citadel that were clearly used by the Order of the Exalted Ring. You come across a control room with a number of scrying orbs in it that, although they activate as you walk in reach of them, are just filled with mist because they can't reach whatever they're supposed to be looking at. However, um, glyphs underneath of them in Sylvan and Celestial imply that they are meant to communicate with the other parts of this citadel as well as the various Tauruses, which are labeled with names. Names such as uh, Tasha, which you find on one of them. Um, you also find the library, which, uh, features a number of like massive arcane locks. But as you walk towards them with your rods of power extending out ahead of you, these massive mechanical 
as the door kind of slides back and out of the way, these massive, you know, they're like stone thick doors that just retract into the walls. And so you're able to enter into this many tiered circular building with this large open gallery at its core. Um, and as you walk through it, you begin to see different lights etched into the walls as glyphs kind of start glowing again as they come into range of your runes. So it's either a deep blue or like a deep fuchsia color, which gives it almost like a lo-fi vibe as you're walking through the space. Um, as you spiral up to the top of this library, you find yourself in a chamber that's marked with these massive runes at the top of it called the index chamber. And in the index chamber, there's this huge suspended platform with kind of like a, a, a glowing beam of light that activates when you walk in and you can see it resuspends an object that had fallen to the ground. Um, it is labeled with a plaque, the plain colors index, and it is a, uh, it is an index or a codex created from the plain callers codex. Uh, it's an obelisk bound in stone and adorned with a diagram of the great wheel of the multiverse. Uh, and it contains a number of impressive magical properties. If someone were to attune to it, um, the library also has a repository of materials, uh, at least a few of every material in the known world. Owlin the Artificer is in heaven. There's even a sacrium section, despite this having been established well before sacrium had any magical charge in it. Um, we hmm. learned way long ago that sacrium was discovered before the darkening. It was just dormant. Um, the sacrium section is the only empty section in the library at this point. Hmm. You uh, also discover that... Excuse Wait, me. Like, like it had records, but it has been cleaned out by something. Not records. It had sacrium in it, and the sacrium has oh, been taken. I got um, you. You also uh, find uh, several other books in there. You come across the Librum of Souls and Flesh, a morbid tome with skin covers and bone fittings that as you pick it up begins whispering faintly in the back of your mind. It's chill to the touch and it has just a lot of necromancy kind of energy coming off of it if you were to cast Detect Magic. Uh, you also find the Demonomicon, uh, Tasha's Life's Work. Um it is considered one of the most blasphemous tomes of demonology in the multiverse. And it includes all of the research that Tasha did when she took her Taurus or her kind of like um, her, her replica replica of sigil into the nine layers of hell and explored those planes and what she could find there. And, you know, took down all of the magic, did her experiments in that area, kind of copying what she found all sorts of crazy things in there. Um, and it is bound with leather stripping warning of the dangers of Tasha's obsession with the abyss and with dark creatures. And it includes on the warning. There are tales of a strange infestation that overtook her small ring world, uh, when she was trying to like cast her magic or something like that. Um, nobody knows where her Taurus is now or what became of Tasha on it. You also find the first and only copy ever made of Laredith's work in Scylla, Laredith's Alchemical Compendium, a book which Owlin studied very briefly before he left mm. when drafted. Um, it's a heavy stained volume wrapped with metal fittings, and it has a lot of transmutation magic in it. Uh, Fox, as they're exploring that, you feel a voice in the back of your mind. Hey. Hey, you. Hey, hey over here, over here. You look over in the corner and there's a broom there leaning in the corner. Hey, hey, it's me. Hey, you should take me with you. I, I've, I've swept up the dust of so many adventurers' feet. I, I want to go on an adventure. Can I come? Will you take I would me just want to put in an editor's note here. <laughs> 
Just that look. <laughs> That's the editor's note. Okay, great. Should I'm gonna, take me with you. I want to come. I'm going to... You know what? I didn't learn from my first time of listening <laughs> to the voices in my head. Why start now? Why start now? <laughs> I'm going to go over to the broom, and I'm hesitantly going to go... I'm not going to touch it. I thought about it. I reach out a hand <laughs> and stop. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just take Why me. should I... Why should I bring you with me? Because huh? I'm bored, man. I've been here for like so long. And the I other mean, guy actually, who came up here doesn't even clean. So like, I'm just stuck here well, in the corner. How about you tell me where that other guy is? And if we find that other guy, then I take you. Done. Let's shake on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't have hands. Just, Dude, that's so smart. You got it. Just pick me up. <laughs> well, I, I'll pick you up if you tell me exactly where he is. That's, that's exactly the arrangement. No, no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tell me first. No, I have the wares. You are the buyer. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I have the wares. Considering I, I have time to search for this person. You've been stuck in time, and who knows how long here. Right, fine, hey, uh, Whatever, see if you, I care. Is this another? Is this another? Yeah, Shadow okay Blade situation. What's going on? You're, All right, you're I'm talking I'm to a broom. <laughs> Bear with me a second, Jeb. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna roll uh, insight. Sure. On this broom. <laughs> That's a sentence. <laughs> Can Alan uh, take Larith's book and put it in his pack? Sure. Is, that, is it or is it too big? Great. Cool. I rolled a nine to see <laughs> if it means me any harm. This broom is completely legit. <laughs> All right, fine. You drive a hard bargain. If I take you with me, you yeah, will yeah, show yeah. me exactly where the guy is. 100%. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Easy Lemon peasy. squeezy? Yeah. All right. And I pick up the broom. No attunement or anything of any cursed nature happens to you. Uh, the broom goes, awesome, man. I can't wait for this. Okay, so we're going to go to the east tower on the side of this, this citadel. He's in one of the rooms. Okay, Jeb, follow me. I well, <laughs> Fox you picks up a broom and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to follow as well, or just Jeb? Uh, oh, you too, Alan. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> you were busy over there. I, I don't think I'm going to be long. Well, I found a beloved book of my childhood, so I wanted to read it. <laughs> well, I, yeah. That's why yeah, you know, I, I was want letting to look you at have some of these other books here too. Well, then you know what? I I will. I, I let me just make sure I'm not losing my mind, and then I'll come back if I haven't lost my mind. How about that? Uh, right. okay. Okay. Are uh, you sure? Fox. The broom didn't tell you to do that, did it? <laughs> I am going to follow you, actually. And Alan puts the book in his back. <laughs> starts walking with Fox. Jeb is going to take the other books. Okay. Add to your inventory Plain Collars Index, Demonomicon, and Librum of Souls and Flesh. I'll tell you what they do later. Um... You walk out following Fox. And so leaving this central citadel uh -huh. and entering the parapets to the side, these oh, were clearly okay. the rooms of the wizards. Uh, each has like a name this on its left? nameplate. Um, and so you walk through and you, you kind of look at, and okay. they're, you know, decorated. They have a lot of them have the wizard stuff and many of them have the wizard's bodies. Uh, when the Ooh. air bubble that was cast over this area died, many of them suffocated before they could react in time. And so you with your air bubbles, courtesy of Jeb are not in the same danger, but um, many of these oh. wizards have, have passed away where they are. Um, Is however, there like no atmosphere up here. No, there's very little atmosphere up here. 
there is so everything's some, like, like there's really gravity well and stuff, but it, yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, they do, however, their bodies have been arranged. Like someone has come post-mortem and like arranged them into a, sl- you know, they're laying down on their bed, hands clasped, eyes have been closed. Mm. It seems like someone has come through and given them some dignity in death. And it becomes apparent as you head towards the East tower that your broom was not lying to you because the first thing you smell in the air is the smell of apple cats. Um, and the, the vague sort of mist, which in this low atmosphere Good is job, dispersing Bert. quickly, but you can see it coming from one of the towers and there's a flickering light there. And so you, you enter this final tower, this final room, um, the, the nameplate of a wizard you don't know on the door. Fox has a hand up. Yeah. Can I, can I give my entrance? Once I yeah. get to this, yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm gonna go to the door. Um, something can just compels me to do this. I don't know. It's it's meeting meeting a god that you didn't really believe in <laughs> for a good part of your life, uh, or you know, at a, you know, yeah, at an avatar of this god, and and now having spent your like good part of your adventuring career looking for him, uh, and you know what a broom told me where to find him so i'm gonna pick up the broom knock on the door room service (laughs) you hear yeah man come on in and you turn the doorknob swing it open it's an old door you step into this former wizard's room and there changeling avatar of Kelnor case it's cross-legged and bare chested upon a small rug at the center of the living space next to him apple cats burn quietly on several incense plates he looks up at you as you enter with a smile and a twinkle in his eye and he gestures at three mugs sitting before him and he says i heard you'd come man and i knew it'd be soon all these past months I've been preparing tea for you every day and you've got, you've got the tall guy, right? And the dude with the hat with you. Yeah. Alan Come on his in. head in. Will you uh, join, I, will you I join believe us I am the tall tea? guy. Will you join us for tea? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes. Awesome. And you sit down and you see, he's got two more mugs that are sitting next to him and he hands one over to a chair that you couldn't see from the doorway. Zothkug, describe your expression Holy. as you lock eyes with what? your three former companions for the first time in nearly a year and a half. So, uh, Zothkug, um, uh, just like stops what he's doing, just slowly reaches for his tea with a big smile on his face and just takes a nice, nice sip says enjoy the vibes man and on that note tonight's dungeons and dragons session comes to a close that's it for us for tonight 